Kings Cultivators of the Future. Welcome to the Aster Education Podcast. You're tuned in with Robert Astrid and Miss Catherine. No Kev today, but that's cool. That's cool. Um, so, you know, without a further ado, let's let's get right into that trivia. Let's hear, let's hear what we got, what, what the answer was, and let's hear the new one, and then right into the topic, Catherine. Um, so the question for last week was what well-known activist, writer, and educator published a book and it's designed or it's based on the, the work they did for the New York Times and that author, Nicole Hannah-Jones, 1619 Project, the children's book, Born on the Water, um, great book, great project, both are great books. I was reading Born on the Water to some kiddos um, and they had a lot of fun going through that. The, the pictures are done. The illustrations are done by, I believe, Nicholas Smith. They are absolutely stunning. Definitely check it out if you get a chance. Um, nice, nice. I don't have for today necessarily a trivia question. I have a, I have a, a question that I think would be interesting to hear the responses for. Well, yeah, is, we can put, we can put poll questions. Sometimes I've put poll questions at the, at the, at the end of the episode or like for the description, in the description, you can read it. Yeah. Or answer it. Yeah. And, and that question, just because of the topic that we're going to be getting into is, or that question is, um, what did you learn later in life? that you wish had been explored in your formal education? Yeah, you know, like, I used to actually, I did a whole series on that, like not too long, well, a while ago, last year. So I guess it was a while ago, but it was called The Things I Wish School Taught Me. And I w- it would be like part one, part two, part three. And it would just be different topics that I would talk about that I wish school taught me. And then, you know, mm-hmm. see if people agreed. So yeah, like we should definitely have a, another segment because we did talk about including different slots and segments into the show. So yeah, that could be one. That'll be a good one. So that, those are the, that's the trivia answer slash class participation um, aspect today. And then the topic, which is why I, I kind of pose that question is because I kind of want to explore what, what is inclusive curriculum? And why that's important. And I'm going to relay that right over to you. So what do I think that means? Like, What, what does that mean to me, inclusive cl- curriculum? Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing I think of when I hear that is I think of an, a genuine connection, like actually validating people for what they can do, and what they know, and like kind of playing to their strengths. So like, how can you help people to feel like they're actually involved in a way that like they feel like they belong, you know? So I feel like a lot of the times in our curriculum, it, it kind of ostracized, not ostracized. What's the word? Um, it kind of makes the students Alienates? feel. Yeah, that's a good word because it's not anything that they chose or it's not really, like they don't know how it relates to them and it's kind of like forced upon them. So inclusive has a lot to do with student voice and, uh, student co-creation, student-generated topics, that kind of area. I know it has a lot, like, there's a lot more behind the idea, but that's the first thing that I think of when I, when I hear the term. Yeah, 
So, so that's like the more like the student participation within designing their education aspect. Right. Yeah. 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 That, that's definitely missing within schools. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think I would say my idea of inclusive curriculum is every student feeling represented in a holistic manner within their subjects, especially when teaching things like language and history. And I think that with your, your idea and your take on it and then mine, I think, I don't know, I think we're far from having that in our, in our system. Yeah, I mean, like, like we always talk about, there are some initiatives and in, like different schools that have little programs that do it, but it's not like it needs to be executed on a more systemic scale. And the question always comes back to like, where do you start that? Like, how do you, I guess, like the people that are doing it, like on smaller scales, like doing the initiatives, I guess that's a good place to start. But how do you make that bigger? How do you, how do you make that into a systemic project like a like everybody's doing it because it can't just be you know these few places doing it It has to be like everybody has to be on the same page Mm -hmm. how do you think you should go about that i think i mean you know you know i'm always gonna fall back on to systems and people working within systems going through a process of self-reflection and i think if we were to reflect upon who has been able to dominate the educational narrative that is playing out in schools today, we can see how exclusive that that club is and who is designing what we learn. And I think it would have to come from some sort of, if, if it were to happen systemically, some sort of internal dismantling of a singular narrative at play, um, whether that be whose whose history gets taught, whose subject gets a higher precedent, and whose voice ultimately has the biggest say in a classroom. You think that dismantling is happening with the teacher shortage? Or not really, I mean, it's, to teach a shortage, but like it's really just a revealing of the lack of real support for teachers and investment in them. But like, yeah, do you think that that's that's occurring now? Like that's dismantling now due, due to that shortage. You know, I think that's an interesting question, uh, and I, I think educators are feeling this. I think healthcare professionals have been feeling this for a very long time. You know, there was a point that we hit with shutdowns and whatnot that people in uh, in helping professions were being applauded for their efforts. And now if we look at the number of people leaving education, I wonder if that dismantling will happen because I wonder how many educators are going to be left in the field. Little concern but, that I have some days. But I was just thinking like with all, maybe with everybody leaving, does that create space for like new things to happen? You know, it could, but it's going to be highly dependent on who comes in after and who mm. those people are leaving. Um, because if it's, if it's a high rate of underrepresented 
people leaving a profession and then the next wave doesn't necessarily contain those underrepresented uh, communities, then there is a chance of no, no dismantling happening because there would be no question as to why it would need to happen, perhaps. Sometimes I feel like it's the, it's the, the voices in the room that bring the other perspective that really shine lights on the areas that we need to work on. And I think that we have a lot of those people feeling a certain level of uh, neglected support, maybe. Well, I'm just, well, see, now I'm trying to think of this three-dimensionally. I haven't, I'm just thinking of all this now. With everybody leaving, you know, they're not really gone. Like, what if there's still a way to gather them, like, still a way? Because I did mention this before in a few episodes mm-hmm. before I was like, I said some kind of like national band of like superhero teachers, something stupid, something like crazy like that. I forgot the name, but, but you know, something like that, you know, something that where it's like, actually, I think I said progressive education. Uh, I don't know. What did you say? Mastermind, something like that. But like some way, like people that are still like, all right, you don't have to be a teacher, but people that are still really passionate about education, people that still want to make a difference in the world and in the lives of the youth and want to cultivate a brighter future, maybe, you know, somehow reach out to them and, you know, form a collective, form like that mastermind I was talking about. And then they, I don't know, it's like, uh, it would be like a private group or I don't know, a public group that would basically stand for all the things we're talking about. I'd be down to, 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 to search down some people, hunt down some people. Mm. And I think, I think for the most part, I mean, I don't think there's any educator, anybody who works in the field of education today that wouldn't, you know, go above and beyond to help their students succeed. I think that the, the run in here is the, sh- the being pushed past human capacity where the, the, the teachers, the educators, faculty, staff, whomever, are incredible, wonderful, invaluable individuals who are seen as almost superhuman. And so that, that band of people, I think, would have to have a lot of external support, which I don't necessarily think is always there for them, for us. Mm-hmm. I gotta tell you, if 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 we want something like for me, like I right now am trying to like get a new place like to to live, like a new apartment, right? Mm. Um, but I don't have like the best financial situation. Like I'll, I'll disclose. Um, but like I, I know that's not like the end. You know, like there's always a mm-hmm. way to achieve what you want, and I'm kind of I'm doing that too. I'm like figuring things out. And it's, it's, it's exciting. It's interesting. But just like that idea, that concept of like, all right, how can we make this happen? Like for me, if I want to really uh, bring about that, that meaningful change, like to really make that happen. Cause it's like all these great things that we talk about, like they're not necessarily supposed to happen or not. Like, it's just, I don't know, like it, it's up to somebody to make it happen. It's kind of what I'm trying to say. So like, it's kind of, like, and I'll say it for me, but like in any other teacher or educator or parent, like whoever, 
is like just cares about you know education in whatever capacity it's up to us to be resourceful to figure out like you know how to make those external connections and how to get that support uh it's not going to be easy but like what can we do like what like what you know what would be a starting point to secure that because yeah i mean i i agree with mm -hmm. I, i agree with what you're saying i agree that you know with enough willpower, anything is possible. And I think that for a long time, educators in the field have had a sheer amount of willpower to just make do with whatever they possibly can. And, and again, it's my, it's my go-to. It's going to come down to societies recognizing their roles and responsibility to education, to public education and community investment in that. And that, you know, that, that gets tricky. Even in, even in a, in a state like where I live, um, if we're talking about inclusive curriculum, if we're talking about ensuring that students have voice, if we're talking about ensuring students feel represented and and educators feeling supported and backed and and empowered within their classrooms it gets tricky when there are literal movements to remove the existence of people in curriculum and making it illegal for educators to include them and so then it's going to come down to what are our priorities within a society? And I don't, I don't know if we'll ever come to a consensus on that. Oh, this, this episode's really got me, got my mind going. As I'm, I'm, I'm oriented toward action. I'm very action oriented. Today, yeah, I know. About what can we do to. Well, oh, here, here we go. Here we go. You know what? I'll, I'll give us this. What can we do? Right. What can we do? Um, I think there are some incredible people in the field right now who are actively seeking to continuously hold their values in teaching students historically accurate narratives of, mm -hmm. of American history. Um, I okay. know that the, the 1619 Project, so we're talking about an external entity heavily based on education uh, is partnering, de developing partnerships with after-school programs to teach curriculum, to help design um, curriculum based around the books, based around the research for kids to have access to because there is an understanding that that is not going to be getting into their classroom. So if you are in the education field and you happen to be um, an after-school programmer and you would like to uh, in include different curriculum within your program, offer a different set of programming to, to push back kind of against maybe what the narrative is being spun in your district, there is an avenue for that. Okay. There's your forward. <laughs> no, that, I know that's I always, we always have a, we always come at things very, very different ways. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that's perfect. And so my follow-up would be like, how would, if I am somebody, let's say I am somebody and I am somebody that is interested in, 
you know, trying to get involved with said actions, you know, or, you know, like things like that, like after school programs, enrichment programs, just that, those kind of things, teaching kids things that they don't learn in school. Like, where would you start? Like, uh, like that, you know, personally, like, and please let me know after the show too. like, like message me because I, I am serious. This is for me too. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where, where would you start with developing okay. that different set of programming? Mm. Not well. I do want to develop it too personally, or, or just but I was getting just started like, involved. Well, yeah, just getting involved. Yeah. Like, do you know? Do you know of any programs, like any enrichment programs, like uh, anything like, that is teaching on life education, like after school kind of things that include that it, that utilize inclusive cur- curriculum? Um, you know, I think the unique thing about after school programs, and I and I've worked in after school, um, is they all really it all really depends on, you know, the, the foundations that program is built upon. There are some that really let kids be kids and, you know, figure out what niche they want to be. And there are others that will design 10, 15 different classes a week um, to get kids involved in things that they may or may not have access to or may not ever experience. Um, I think that, you know, if you're listening and you are, uh, you know, a college student, you have a, or any, anybody with a a flexible schedule and you're like, oh, I kind of want to get involved. How do I do that? I will always say a reading program. You can try and, you know, I know COVID makes it tough depending on where you are. Um, and depending on your, your district's regulations. Um, but you know, there are a lot of books. I mean, not just born on the water. I was talking to a friend the other day and um, they were talking about how they wanted to, because month of February, Valentine's day is around the corner. um, They wanted to bring in loving a book called loving about loving versus versus Virginia. And it's a book geared towards kids about loving versus Virginia. When um, the, the fight for integrated marriages came about in the seventies. So yeah, there, there are avenues for that. And you know what, I think the, I think the tough thing with the most impactful activism today is it's not Instagrammable. (laughs) If that makes sense, like the, some, sometimes it's going to be in maybe the most boring setting that you need to be in in order to listen to those conversations and push back against those conversations in order to make the biggest difference. Um, Sitting in a meeting room isn't necessarily the coolest thing in the world, but if that meeting room is deciding upon what K through 12 curriculum should look like, it's a pretty important meeting room to look like uh, to, to be in. If that meeting room look is where your school board is making decisions, that's a pretty important room to be in. They can be stressful. They can be contentious. They um, can really drain you. But that's where those issues are discussed and where voices are vital. Sounds like a room I definitely need to start getting, getting into. But, you know, I was, like, trying to figure out ways to get in touch with the community. Like, you know, if you have any tips on that, you know, if you're listening and you have tips on that, and also Miss Catherine, if you have tips on that, please send them my way. I'm out here just asking for help today, you know. 
Um, but but yeah, I think those are those are great ideas. And you know, reading tutor I actually used to be a, a reading tutor. You said tutor, right? Like a read tutor. Yeah, I'm, or just like you, any type. I think you know, after school programs are great. You know, I started a reading program with a, mm. a good friend of mine who was a librarian at the time, um, and we started a reading program together. And it really made a big difference in in student reading levels and just their confidence around reading. And they're, you know, if kids don't necessarily have access to books at home, it provided a very necessary resource for those students. Um, if okay. students are going home and maybe their families don't, like English is not the language being spoken in the house, but English is the language that is going on in the classroom and is going home with your homework. Uh, those reading programs really benefited students so that they could understand comprehend and ask questions about what they were learning yeah yeah so yeah i used to do a, a reading program like uh when i was in high school too so I definitely know the the benefits of that and it, it, it's it's great it's great to it's my first one of my first experiences with i guess teaching so that was good mm-hmm. but um unfortunately it's that time it's that lightning time you got 30 seconds what is something that you want to leave right now. Something I would want to leave is when we look at, when we discuss curriculum in a broader sense throughout the country, no matter what state. um, And I know there are a lot of debates going on about it right now in the news. I think the most important question to ask is who, who was being represented in the dominant narrative and who is being erased from those classrooms whose identity does not get to show up and what does that mean for those students to not be reflected in the spaces that they learn in and i think asking those questions can give us a better insight into how we want to design and structure how we teach kids and that's what we do here that's what we'll that's what we will be doing that's what we work on and, you know, it's up, to, I keep saying it's up to us. If we really want to change the future or change today and, you know, improve how we teach kids and how we, how we reveal to them, how we create connections with them, um, we have to take that into our own hands and use the actions or use the devices. Because that's why I'm on social media. You know, people love that. So it's like, all right, instead of watching something that is just pure consumption, why not let's actually better ourselves and, find better ways to interact with our kids. So yes, I do want to, I think you, you mentioned um, uh, biggest impact is not Instagrammable. Well, I beg to differ because that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make Instagram. Oh, like, one yeah. of- <laughs> let me, I, I just meant like when you're doing, when you're doing certain types of community activism, sometimes those yeah. are going to be in the spaces that aren't necessarily always on Instagram. Sir, I did not mean your <laughs> platform. That is my bad. My apologies. No, no. I, but it's funny though, because I am, it is, uh, I'm actually improving. I'm figuring out ways to deliver messages a little bit more, clearly and effectively so that's good you know that, that that's you know kudos to that that's good yeah so happy 2022 <laughs> um and yeah we'll we'll be getting better with the podcast too it seems like more people are tuning in so i mean yeah keep keep on tuning in keep listening you've been listening to the aster education podcast give me a follow on the instagram on the twitter at aster underscore education 
Catherine. It's underscore Catherine McKenna underscore. That is correct. Oh, nice. I thought I... Huh. <laughs> no, you got it. That, I remember oh, it now. Yeah, I remember it now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, educators, parents, students, whoever's listening, you know, who, who, people listen to this, you know, because you don't have to actually be part of the education stakeholders to listen to this. This is really for everybody. But um, stakeholders. We are all stakeholders in education. Yes, exactly. It is, for, and, and, it is for everybody because we are all stakeholders, because we are all responsible for designing the society that we live in and supporting the students who live in our communities. And, you know, that's so true. A lot of time, like I learned in, in college, you know, when I was studying about marketing, they said, you know, in marketing, everybody is not your target market. And I, I think education is like one of those slight exceptions. Like, I, I, all right, there are specific stakeholders in education, like how we just said, like administrators, teachers, parents, whatever, students. But like, if you think about it, everybody really is a stakeholder because everybody is engaging. Everybody engages in education. Like education is not schooling. Like that's just a building. But education is like a, something that's fluid. It happens all the time. So yeah, I agree. And uh, with that, thank you, listeners, and stay cultivating.